Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, September 26th. We apologize for the late release. Typically, we record these the night before the day they're released. So if it's a Friday release, we'll record it Thursday night, Thursday release for, uh, Wednesday night, and on and on and on. Given that it is the Asian swing of the ATP and WTA tours, it's about you know, on average, a 12-hour difference between when the matches are being played there and East Coast time now. So I thought we'd go with a little bit of a later release today so that I could get into some of the results we've seen this morning. And in case you can't tell, it will just be me, Alex Gruskin, steering the ship today. But as I mentioned, two ATP events, two WTA events, and then, of course, given that there's currently a challenger going on in Tiburon, California, you know I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So I'm going to run through those results real quickly. I'm sure we will have another more in-depth mini break for you guys uh, come tomorrow, talking a little bit more about these matches, me hopefully with a co-host. I'm sure you're sick of my voice by now. But with that in mind, let's talk a little tennis. And the place I want to start, for listeners who are new, maybe new to this podcast or haven't listened closely over the years, you guys know I am a huge Andy Murray fanatic. Uh, and the place I want to start is with his result today. I believe he is in Zhuhai, uh, taking part in the ATP 250 there. And you look at his result uh, now, not only does Andy Murray get his first ATP singles win of his return since hip surgery in round one, knocking off Tennis Sandgren 6-3-6-7-6-1, but unfortunately today he loses a thrilling three-set match with Alex Dimenauer, 4-6-6-2-6-4. Now, of course, Dimenauer, the winner in this performance, you know about Dimenauer, his speed, his tenacity, his relentlessness. If you're coming back from injury, that is certainly a tough matchup, but for Andy Murray, now, in in the post-match press conference, he even said, I'm still, you know, I'm not, all these guys playing are top 20, top 30 level players, and I'm probably still top 60, top 70, but I thought that bared weight. I thought there were many, many, many more flashes of a, of a healthy, confident, in shape Andy Murray throughout these two events, and look, Tennis Andrin was the guy who beat Murray in his return to Winston-Salem. Obviously, Murray's dabbled on the challenger circuit as well, but he put together a very good match against Alex Dimenauer, and he also mentioned in his press conference, you know, he didn't practice after beating Sandgren because he wanted to take it easy on his body, um, but I mean, I thought he looked really good. He got stretched into the, out into the corners by Dimenauer, and rather than turn to the slice, which I thought he did too often in Winston-Salem, he was hitting through the backhand, the creativity on the run, the ability to put pressure on you when he's on the defense. We saw a lot of those things from Andy Murray today. Now, of course, you look at the things he probably wants to improve moving forward. You know, he didn't serve great, only made 53% of his first serve, but when he made those, he won 72% of the points. He only won 45 
25% of his second serve points, and I'm sure frustrating to him. Uh, you know, Dimenauer able to go 23 of 38 on his own second serve. So it's the little things, right? The serving and the return that it takes some match experience to get back into that form. But very good performance from Andy Murray today, in my opinion, and just part one of. Hopefully that he's even able to play ATP singles matches. We were in doubt about that back in Australia. So, of course, everything from this point in, cherry on top of what is one of the best careers in ATP Tour history. But he looks good. I'm trying not to get too excited. I don't know if you can tell, listeners. I'm very, very thrilled about the Murray comeback. But I don't know. I I, I don't want to get over the top. But if this is the start, if he's going to continue to improve, which there's no reason why he can't, I'm encouraged. I think we could see a full season on tour from him in 2020, hopefully enough to get him in contention that he's never been on a Labor Cup team seems kind of ridiculous. Of course, that's still fresh in everyone's mind. But I would love to see him maybe a Songa-like season, steal a couple of titles, round out your year in the end by the top 40. I feel like that's a win for him. I know, obviously, Andy Murray, given where he was, I'm sure he wants to be winning slams, competing at the highest level. But Little by little, just step by step, it feels like we're getting closer and closer to a healthy Andy Murray. And for me, that, and I'm sure for tennis fans everywhere, that's really all we want to see. But looking through the rest of the results in this tournament, rough, rough week of tennis for anyone who played Labor Cup. Stefano Tsitsipas losing 3-6-7-5, retiring in the third set to Adrian Manorino. He'll match up in his quarterfinal tonight against Zoomher. Gael Monfils, a three-set winner over Cam Nori. He's now going to match up with Albert ramos Vanoles, who knocks out Miomir Kasmenovic 7-6-6-3. Borna Chorch carrying off of his success from last week, a 3-3 winner over D. Wu. He'll now play Dimenauer in what is certainly to be a long, physical, fun match. And then Andrea Seppi knocks off Nick Kyrgios, knocks off Zhang with a 7-6-4-6-7-6 win today in the quarterfinals. He'll match up in the quarterfinals now with Roberto Bautista Agut, a 7-5-7-5 winner over Andohar. And even though RBA was at, I believe he was at Labor Cup, didn't do any playing. He was the, you know, I think the sixth guy, the Jordan Thompson of Team Europe. So he, I'm sure he's fresh. So maybe the one guy who got a win. And by the way, I mentioned Nick Kyrgios' name, some news. You know, we talk about storylines, results, and controversies. This is both a storyline and a controversy. He's giving a, given a deferred six-month, uh, it's not six-month, I want to say 14-week uh, suspension. Uh, or yeah, I think it was... 12-week suspension and a $250,000 fine, all deferred because he's on six months probation. Now, I I don't want to get too far into that until I have someone else to bounce thoughts off, someone because I'm sure I'm going to miss parts of the argument, but it doesn't really seem like Nick Kyrgios also in this match talked about his shoulder issues, talked about shutting it down for the rest of the season. Um, There's a lot of talk on tennis Twitter that this is a faux suspension, right? That he's never actually going to have to serve any of the terms here. And whether that's justified or not, again, I want to debate that and discuss it with someone else. But I don't know how you're not going to take notice of it. I mean, that he's not, you know, the the reason he's being suspended for people who don't remember in Cincinnati, his performance against Daniil Medvedev there. He's calling the line judge a potato, throwing smashing rackets, doing all of these different things. Um, 
I don't know. It's a tricky subject. That's why I'm deferring now. I want to talk about it with someone else a little bit later. So that's the scene in Zuhai. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and Purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Let's now go to our next tournament in, I believe, Chengdu, where we have, again, another loaded draw. A lot of these players ready to make their push down the stretch. And another uh, Labor Cup guy who falls today, John Isner, 6-7-7-6-7-6 to Gerasimov. Uh, you know, for Isner, three tiebreak sets. I don't know what more you can ask for him, but today just... Unfortunately, could not get the job done. But a guy who could, his team world teammate, Denis Shapovalov, who has been on fire these past six weeks, you know, dating back to Winston-Salem through now. He knocks off Ricardo Sparankis 4-3 and three in his first match. Now a 3-6-6, 3-7-6 winner here over Bradley Klon. I mean, he if he gets a semifinal here, let's look at him in the live rankings. Denis Shapovalov, who has not had a good season by any stretch of the imagination, he now finds himself on that precipice of... Where is he? Denis Shapovalov. Come on. Give me this ranking. This is all live, guys. Ooh, he's number 34. That's very good. He gets a semifinal here. You know, he still has a 500-level ma- match. He'll get into the Paris Masters, another dark horse, indoor hardcourt. There's no reason why he can't make a run there. I mean, he's been playing so well on the hardcourts. His confidence is back, and it's palpable. You can see it as he's playing from uh, the Laver Cup, where he lost a tight three-set match there in singles and then played well in a straight-set loss in doubles to here, where he's winning 7-6 in the third. You don't win 7-6 in the third unless you're comfortable. So shout-out to Dennis, man. I mean, a new coach, Mikhail Yuzny, in the box. Whatever they're doing, it seems to be working. And you look at the draw for him. Not only does he have a very winnable match in Jerasimov, but you look at his portion of the draw, Christian Guerin, not known for his hardcore success, obviously was stellar on the clay earlier this season, but he beats Kyle Edmund 3-2, and two, then knocks off Verdasco 6-3-3-6-6-3 to set up a quarterfinal matchup with Paolo Carino Busta, also a 6-3-3-6-6-3 winner. Very interesting section of the draw. If you told me Shapovalov made the final, I'd believe you. If you told me one of the other guys did, I'd believe you as well. So that's something we'll be monitoring, something else we did not expect. Sasha Bublik, another quarterfinal for him. Big serving, I mean, the 6-6, big server, indoor hardcourts. Good luck breaking that serve. A 4-6, 7-5, winner over Labor Cup participant Taylor Fritz in the first round. Then he knocks off another Labor Cup guy, Jordan Thompson, who at least won his first-round match. But Bublik today, 4-5 winner. He'll now have a very interesting match against Grigor Dimitrov. And for Grigor, a 5-5 five five winner today over Daniel Evans. We talked about it so much during and in the immediate aftermath of the U.S. Open. Similar to Shapovalov, his confidence right now probably sky high. And he needs to rack up some points. It's not like he did much early in the year. So for him, a great opportunity to build off of this U.S. Open, uh, put a post-U.S. Open run together, get himself back in solidly inside, you know, the top 20, top 15. And then he really gets to reset at the start of the 2020 season because, as I mentioned, not a lot of points for him to defend. Uh, and then the last portion of this draw, Lloyd Harris, the South African, 4-6-6, 4-6-2 winner over Fuksovics the first round. Then he knocks off number five seed, Dusan the Dusan Lajovic, 3-3. Three three. He'll now take on Joe Soso, who's put together 
a nice little two-match streak here. 1-6-6-3-6-4 over wildcard Hyun Chung in the first round. Then 6-4-6-7-6-4 over number two seed Felix Ogier Aliasim in the second round. I mean, would I have liked Chung FAA? Duh. But for Sosa, I mean, this is a really good performance for him. Another guy who, let's say he makes the semifinals here. You look at where he is at in the live rankings. I mean, Joe Sosa has quietly put together a very nice season. And, yeah, again, of the four, Sosa, Dimitrov, Bublik, Harris. Sure, Dimitrov on name value, probably the favorite heading into the weekend. But, I mean, Joe Sosa just knocked off Hyun Chung, and then he knocks off FAA. I think uh, I think he's feeling pretty confident coming in. And I'm Sosa, by the way, number 61 right now. Yeah, I'm sure he, the 30-year-old with it who has a career high of number 28 would love to get back in the top 50 to end the season. And, you know, a title run here, which seem, or a finals run, which seems very plausible, would put him right in that situation. So another guy to watch as we go down the home stretch. But let's flip gears a little bit. Let's talk WTA. As I mentioned, two events going on on the WTA level this week. We'll start first uh, in Wuhan, China. A loaded draw here. Ashley Barty, find the number one seed. Number, uh, I want to say number two player maybe in the world right now. Uh, some of their, uh, uh, Let me look that up real quick. I don't want to start. Westoff, give me some sort of rewind sound effect, please. All right, let's try that again. Ashley Barty, the number in the live ranking. See, you guys get to hear me. When it's just me, there's some internet refreshing. This is half the fun. Yes, live ranking, world number one, Ashley Barty, as I should have said. Uh, She makes the quarterfinals here and does it in very... um, earned fashion i suppose beats caroline garcia four six six four six one then takes on number 15 seed sophia kennan who obviously was a winner last week getting her third title of the year barty knocks her out six three seven five uh to set up her quarterfinal match Ooh, i should say here they're already through to the semi so i'll give you guys a little sneak peek barty also beats Petra Martic, 7-6-3-6-6-3. And so for Ashley Barty, who post-Wimbledon has not had a lot of success, I think first-round loss uh, in or first-match loss for her in Toronto at the Premier Mandatory. Then she goes to Cincinnati, does okay, but loses a bunch of weird first sets. And then obviously the way she lost at the U.S. Open was unexpected. But, I mean, she's found her groove again in the semifinals here. Three high, very quality opponents, three very quality wins. And for her now in the semifinals, she'll match up with Arya Sabalenka, the number nine seed, who really, really needed this result. She beats Sasnovich in straights one and two. She knocks out Danielle Collins one and oh. She beats Kiki Burton's one and six. Now she knocks out Rybakina six three one six six one. I mean, Sabalink is the defending champion here, so we talk about the points urgency, or I suppose the lack thereof for Shabavalov and Dimitrov, the fact that they're able to rack up some points and have an open slate to look at come 2020. Well, if Sabalinka didn't get this result here, she was looking at a world of hurt in the live rankings, and so for Sabalinka now to make the semifinals, she salvaged the appearance. She's going to stay at number 23 right now in the live rankings now. Obviously, that's not as good as her number 9 earlier in the year, but it's not bad. I mean, 23 puts you in position to get into every event, to be seated at most of the events, and to be in a place where you can, again, work your way back up the ranking. So huge results for Sabalinka here. You look at the bottom half of the draw. Ali Risk, man, she is playing some great tennis. Three-set win over Kozlova, three-set win over Pui, straight sets over Wang, and now here a 6-1-6-3 win over number three seed Alina Svitolina. I mean, what's not to love about Allie Risk's game? She takes chances. I, well, I didn't make the pun. She does take risks, but that was too obvious. Um, 
she takes chances, she plays big, she plays to win. And I think we're seeing here the product of that mentality, of that success. Talk about a player who obviously has been incredible in 2019. Allie Risk right now up to a career high, number 27 in the live rankings with this Wuhan semifinal. You look at her in the live WTA race uh, to the year-end finals. I mean, if I told you she had been, what, a top 20 player this season, would you have believed me? I think you'd have to. When you look at the live rankings, she is right now number 20 in that race to the year-end finals. Now, you know, she's, she's probably not going to qualify for the year-end finals, but a top 20 season from Allie Risk at age 28, 29, that's exactly what you want from the prime of your career. So huge shout-out to her to get to the semifinals here. She'll now play number 5 seed Petra Kvitova, who ends the, the run of Diana Yastremska, 6-2, 6-4. For Kvitova here, she's knocked out Herzog, 6-3, and, and then she knocks out Sloane Stevens, 6-2, uh, who was a 6-2, 6-1 winner herself to advance to the round. Uh, Kvitova knocks her out 3-3, three and three. and for Yastremska, yes, she loses here, but you look at what she did. Knocked out Tomjanovic in straight, Christina McHale in straight. She beats uh, Karolina Pliskova, the number two seed here, 1-4. and four. I mean, great win for Kvitova, great win for Yastremska, great match. If, if you haven't watched Yastremska down this home stretch, boy, can she hit hard, and I think she's 19 years old, so... You know, this is just, put her on the whatever list of young players you've had. You know, Andreescu, Osaka, Barty's my age, so I consider her young. But Yastrzemska a little younger than that. So Osaka, Barty, uh, or sorry, Osaka, Andreescu, Benchich. Yastrzemska is, you know, she's probably in the Kennan range more so than those range. Uh, but she's right there, and so be be ready for a big 2020 from her. For Petra Kvitova, great great way to rebound the season. You've dealt with injuries all season, nagging things here and there after the hot start in Australia. Great to see her in a semifinal here. One other note from this event before I move on. Amanda Nisimova making her return. She obviously so unfortunately lost her father uh, about a month ago. A 6-3, 3-6, winner over last week's finalist, Sam Stoza, in her first round, then she loses 3-3 three to, three to Pliskova, but just so happy to see Amanda and Isimova on the court and having success again and again. We talked about Yastremska and Isimova, I think, three years younger, but she's on all of those lists as well, so just great to see her back on the court. But the last professional uh, level event, or the high professional level event, I should say, I want to talk about. Uh, let's go to the Tashkent Open in Uzbekistan on the WTA side. Uh, we look at the semifinals here. Number five seed, Kristina Pliskova, taking, picking up what her twin sister left off. She makes the semifinals after knocking off uh, first Paolini, then Kawa in three sets. Now number one seed, Victoria Kuzmova, 6-3, 6-4. She'll take on Ali Venutvinik, who was an 0-1 winner in her first round, then 2-1, then 2-4 over Paramenchier in this last round. I mean, that's a battle up top, and you look at the bottom half of the draw here. We've got Katarina Zavatska, Zavatska excuse me, taking on number 8 seed, Serena Kirstea. So, wide open event here, and for all of these players, we continue to mention this. This is the home stretch. You want to build yourself a solid foundation for 2020 to build on? Get some results here. Get a year-end title that you know you have cashed in the bank to fall back on any time you have let's say, a rough two-, three-week stretch on tour next season. So great to see um, all of these players continue to thrive. And then just one other thing. You listeners know I 
am a slappy for the challenger circuit in particular when the american challengers are going our friend mike c tennis that's at mike c tennis also known as mike cation host of the cation cast a tennis channel podcast network production one of our brethren uh he is live in tiburon for this year's first republic tiburon challenger and i mean talk about a nexus of young american players former college players players who may be joining college soon uh just current college players just all of these intersect in this event, and so I'm in heaven. And you look at yesterday's results, mm, juicy. Tommy Paul over Brandon Holtz, 5-7, uh, 6-3, Brandon Holtz, sneak case you could make for him to be the best player in college this season. Uh, you look at the upsets, number 13 seed Galan loses to Gaston, Kruger out to Escobar, number 5 seed Torp, a three-set winner, Emilio Gomez, a three-set winner, Ernesto Escobedo, straight sets over Donald Young. Sekou Bangora, former Florida player, upsets number 12 seed Polanski, 1 and 4. Darian King, 2 6 7 6 7 5 over Ulysses Blanche. By the way, Ulysses Blanche, who had an excellent world team tennis season, I believe he played for Philly, but was so good throughout that. He's taking a jump, man. I mean, he's the same age as the Moes, as the Tiafos, as the Kozlovs. I think that makes him early 98. The Blanche serve plus forehand, man, is that kid powerful. And. A little bit still raw. You know, I don't think he controls the power as well as he will when he's in his best form. But you see the shades, man. That guy's got top 100 weapons. So for Darren King to weather that storm, great match all around. How about this? Virginia sophomore Brandon Nakashima, 5-7-6-3-6-4 over number 6 seed Michael Moe. Now, Michael Moe, I believe, with this loss as the defending champion, will drop out of the top 300. I think that's something Mike said yesterday on the broadcast in that's a piece to hold on to, listeners, for later because talk about a guy, talent, the talent of Michael Moe. I mean, he struggled with injuries all season long, but he is going to be struggling to get back into that. I think he was in the top 100 with this challenger title win last year uh, after he won Tiburon and got into the Australian Open on his own rankings. Now he's going to be fighting just to get into the Australian Open qualifying, so that's one piece to think of. But for Brandon Nakashima, again, Former World Junior, I think, number two. I mean, the guy is just so calm, so steady under pressure, so relentless with his firepower, so solid on both sides. Another sneaky case, a guy when you're discussing the best players in college tennis on the men's side next year, he's got to be right near the top of the list. Former George Tech All-American Chris Eubanks, 4-4 four and four over Arovelo. Former NCAA singles champion Kwiatkowski will now face another former singles NCAA champion in number three seed Marcos Garone. Both of them straight set winners today. Tanasi Kakanakis, the young, talented Australian who really fights his body more than he fights tough results on the court. Win healthy, he seems to always be winning. And again, a 4-0 winner today. He'll take on Kakaud, who was a 6-3, 6-1 winner over Aragoni. In an All-American battle from the 2019 college season, Max Cressy knocks off J.J. Wolf 1-4. He'll face former USC, I don't know if he was an All-American, but former USC team national champion Roberto Quiroz, 3-2 upset winner over Dennis Kudla today. So that's the scene on the tennis, and if you've missed anything from the past week, you want to hear the winners and losers from last week. Uh, well, we just, just did an ep- excellent mini-break episode with Nick McCarvel, uh, you know, who was sideline reporter at Labor Cup, host of U.S. Open Now, host of so many different events at tournaments, talking about all of those things yesterday. Of course, mini-breaks throughout the week, recapping the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world on the Great Shot Podcast. Now, 
out your you missed Labor Cup already and haven't gotten to hear enough recap content, go check out our Labor Cup 2019 award show that Jamie McDonald and I did. Ton of fun there from MVP, LVP, best cheerleader, best coach, most who will the 2019 uh, Labor Cup be most impactful for moving forward? All of those different things we discussed. And then on the cracked interviews note, an embarrassment of riches, really. Shout out to Dalton for lining all of these interviews up. I mean, Blair Henley, Prim Sharipapat, Estella Perez, Somariba. Um, we've got Keegan Smith coming up. Ooh, I think that's tonight at 9 p.m., by the way. So listeners, be on the lookout for that tomorrow. But, of course, Steve Johnson, Bethany Maddox-Hands, Dominic Copeford, Jensen Brooksby, you want, uh, Katie Volley. That's you want it. We've got it. So go give all of those a listen. And, of course, I have to ask, like, great subscribe, review this show, The Great Shot Podcast, The Cracked Interviews Podcast. Comment on our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. We want to hear from you listeners. Eventually, we will try and do a mailbag podcast before this season is up. But in order to do a mailbag podcast, we need mailbag questions. So keep sending those in if you have any good questions you want us to discuss down the home stretch. As always, a huge shout out to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, who have one f- an editing job to do. And as I continue to say, those guys worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. But CrackedRackets.com is the website for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both the Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.